Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Tune in as we share stories of triumph, resiliency, and healing. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamily Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hi, guys. Welcome back for another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. So exciting. I hope that by the time you guys get to this episode, you have gone through the masterclass, you have gone through the summit, and I'm so excited to bring another guest. And this time, we're going to have a conversation that we never truly had on the Beauteous Me podcast. So it might be triggering um, for some. So I really do think that you should exercise some self-care but let me just first introduce to you who is our lovely guest, Tracy Tarris. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and an author who experienced her own personal demons as she battled doubt, fear, and anxiety, which stemmed from negative childhood, internal and external influences and voices. As the eldest of six children, Tracy was given a daunting amount of responsibility over her siblings that motivated her to become outspoken. Being a nonconformist caused her to be labeled as evil. As an adult, she also endured a family tragedy that brought up a deep fear of early death. Determined to break free and help others, Tracy earned a master's degree in clinical psychology while learning to identify and eliminate personal confusion and chaos caused by negative messages. She discovered healing through Jesus Christ's love and guidance. In her therapy practice, she offers healing techniques to her clients struggling with psychological and relational suffering. Wow, Tracy, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for, you know, spending this time and, you know, from one clinician to another clinician, I think what we often, um, a lot of people don't talk about, or a lot of people feel shamed and talking about in relationships is affairs. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to talk about affair repair, right? Because when an affair happens, the first thing people think of, leave that person. They're no good to you. They're going to betray you. Like all of these negative cognitions that come up. However, there are tools and techniques and there are systematic things that can be done in order to repair an affair. So Tracy, take it away. <laughs> Hi, thank you, Jamila. Thanks for having me. And thanks for that introduction. Um, yes, my name is uh, Tracy Terrace. And uh, when we talk about affair repair, um, we're talking about infidelity in the relationship. Most of the time, it, it comes up as a sexual um, transgression or some kind of physical uh, transgression. But there's also other kinds as well with regards to betrayal of emotion or betrayal uh, financially, um, betrayal and not being your partner's partner, like as in taking uh, up, taking someone's side and not being a partner with your partner. But most of the time when we talk about affairs and affair repair, we're talking about uh, sexual affairs. And so yeah. um, um, there's lots of different things that we do. Um, but what is your question? Are you asking me what are some of the things that I do in my practice or? Well, well, first and, and foremost, I think you brought up something that was really good is that people don't realize that there's other forms of affairs. And, and you kind of highlighted on that that there's affairs, financial affairs, affairs, uh, emotional affairs, et cetera, and sexual affairs. And I think a lot of people focus on that betrayal of sexual affairs, but there's also the betrayal of these other affairs. So what I want to ask 
is when working with clients who have experienced any forms of repair, uh, any forms of affairs, <laughs> how do you help them move from that place of hurt and grief to a restorative place? Well, one of the first things is I, I give them praise for coming in and for wanting to try because we live in such a divorce trigger happy you know culture that yeah I think the rate is like fifty one percent at this time. Um, so I, I, I pr- give them praise. I heard over the I, pandemic. Say that again. I said I think it went to sixty over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was 50 before the pandemic, and I, might, I think it might be a little bit more uh, over the pandemic. Um, but one of the, um, after I give them praise for coming in, I, I explore what it is they are looking for here. Like, are they looking mm-hmm. to repair their marriage and then try to move forward into the future? Because sometimes, People will come to couples therapy, even if there hasn't been an affair. Sometimes people will come to couples therapy as a last resort and they want to be able to say, well, I tried and even therapy didn't work. So what I like to do is get the motivation. Like, are you here because you want to move forward or is this sort of like a box that you're checking so that you could tell your parents, look, we tried everything because it's not going to work unless you are here to do the work and are here, you know, to get to the other side of it. So once that has been established, one of the first things that I do is allow for the story, the person that has been offended, allow that person, you know, to tell the story and provide, you know, affirmation and validation, asking questions to promote catharsis, which is like a release of whatever they've been holding in. Whenever there's been a betrayal, especially if it's the woman that's been betrayed, she's probably already had conversations with the supportive people in her life. Uh, If it's the man that's been betrayed, it's oftentimes it's such a a shameful thing that they don't really talk about it with other people. So I give them a forum in here to talk about whatever else is on their mind or to even talk about what they've already discuss with people. And so one of the rules uh, of this this part of the process is for the offending spouse to give the space, you know, because sometimes people want to say, well, I've already apologized or I've, I said, I'm sorry, or this was two years ago and whatnot, because it may have been two years ago, but the pain for the person who received the offense may still be very bright and very, you know, big in their hearts. And so there, this is a place, a forum for them to be able to release some of that. So one of the, one of the rules is you have to allow your spouse to emote and get out what they need to get out, especially if the discovery of the affair is new, that might take some time. You know, if, if it has been a year or two and it's just being discovered, it'll still take time because it's still, it's still new. Uh, to them. Right. And so in discussing uh, this, eventually, like, like, so some of the tools that we use in affair repair is not only talking about it, but gathering the, uh, the couple's history, both of their history from their families, uh, finding out what sort of betrayals they've experienced in their lives. And does this affair run parallel to some of those 
uh, betrayal. Like if it's, let's just say it's the husband that has cheated. A lot of times we'll find out that there's been that kind of behavior or infidelity within his family of origin. And similarly, in the spouse's family of origin as well. And so we look at the historical events, we look at how it impacted them, what are some of their thoughts and feelings that they had around uh, the discovery of the affair, and what are some of their thoughts and feelings that they know they had, but they didn't know at the time. It's just something that's manifested over the course of their lives. And now, uh, what's going on right now that could be paralleling. And it's and the point of that is not to blame families of origin. It's just to see, help people to see to what degree are they, um, to what degree are they acting out old stories that are not even their stories, mm. you know, so that that can be and examined as well for the purpose of being able to decide what from your family of origin that you saw in the marriage of your parents that you want to keep and what do you not want to keep? What what do you have in your marriage now that that it's playing itself out and until us having this conversation, you weren't even aware of? So there's a lot of different uh, work and then we, I think about what would be the best interventions for this particular couple, given their history and given their family of origin history. So before we get into the interventions, which are, are really important, I think some questions that people have out of curiosity is like, why do people cheat? Why do people, uh, why are people um, in relationships or in marriages and then all of a sudden they decide to betray that other person? What are some of the things that you see yeah, in, the in reasons, practice? Yeah, the reasons are are often as almost as varied as the people uh, coming in. Um, If we have three couples coming in for a fair repair, there's probably three different reasons for it. But some of the common reasons are escapism. Mm -hmm. Um, There's problems within the marriage that are not being addressed. And that's the the one of the partner strain is one of their ways of, um, of dealing with that. So not dealing with it. Um, the, it's been a patterned history within the family and they're unconsciously repeating dramas that they were a part of or that they experienced uh, from their family of origin, either watching their parents, you know, go through it. Um, there's, um, there's lots of different uh, reasons that people do it. One of the reasons that I think is the biggest reason that people aren't aware of because it's not talked about. They don't even teach therapists and psychologists about it all that much in school is hormones. Like we are running pharmacists, we're walking pharmacists and our brains are constantly releasing different hormones for us to live and do our life. But our brains are also releasing hormones based on whatever thoughts we're having. You know, like in our field, Mm. we talk about how, you know, whatever it is you think is going to impact how you feel and it's going to impact the behaviors you choose. But in between that thought and that feeling, there is a release of some chemical that's going to highlight that feeling. And so if you are exercising, you get endorphins, you know, and dopamine. When you wake up in the morning, there's serotonin. And then when you're bonding with someone, that's oxytocin. And all of those are what we call the feel-good chemicals. 
And um, and then the bad chemicals, what we call bad, are not really bad. And, and neither are the good ones good. They just each serve a purpose. But we turn them into something because of the way they make us feel. But the stress hormones are cortisol, you know, homocysteine, adrenaline, and epinephrine, the, the two fight or flight ones. And so depending on your state of mind throughout the day, um, you will be releasing hormones connected to that. So the reason that's important to understand is your brain and your body doesn't care whether you release the good ones or the bad ones. They just want what your body just wants, what it's used to. Right. So when you've met people who are, you know, pretty chill and easygoing and laid back, some of that might be their temperament. But because they were born with that temperament, they see the world through a different lens. So their chemical productions might be different from someone that's always stressed out. You may have grown up, you know, pretty uh, easygoing. But if you get into a career field that's a career field that's uh, stressful, you've pretty soon get used to, you know, cortisol and homocysteine running through, you know, your system. And so the reason that's important is because if you're having strife at home, and then you, let's say you're at work and this coworker is praising everything that you do and you feel good about that. You get a little dopamine hit. Eventually, you're sp- if you're spending time with this coworker, whether it's working on projects mm-hmm. or whether it's talking, you'll start releasing the oxytocin. You know, and it's just oxytocin. It's the bonding chemistry. But you're thinking you have chemistry with this person, and that you start feeling like you're addicted to this person, or you have to be with this person. When what you're really addicted to is the your own self. The, the feel the good feelings that are being produced because you're hanging out and spending time with this person that's you know praising you and then your partner at mm-hmm. home is on your in your face or you know on your case all the time and so people get confused about what's going on with them and they attribute these good feelings to I'm doing air quotes the fact that uh, this person <laughs> makes about themselves this person, is so awesome and wonderful when really you're just, you're bonding to someone that you shouldn't be bonding to and your own brain is releasing oxytocin and you're attributing it to the presence of this person, but that's not even real. That's not what's going on. You probably don't even know this person. You think you do because they've shared some stuff, but it takes a lifetime to get to, to really get to know a person. I love that you brought up the chemical component and the hormones, because I don't, it, even in, in, you know, with my own peers, um, in my clinical groups or whatever, we, it's something that we are not often talking about with affairs, right? Because I think so many people focus so much on the betrayal and the hurt and not seeing that the body also reacts to certain things. And by you saying that, I, I think it's interesting when you ask people then, well, why did you cheat? And their response is, I don't know. Right. Because I don't know if I have a connection with this person. I don't really know if I like this person like that. But by you bringing this information up, it's just like, well, your body, your hormones um, were responding to the, the, this, these feel good endorphins that that made you feel like maybe I do have a connection with them, which is wow. So interesting, Tracy. And thank you for, you know, for bringing that up. Yeah, that, that's not taught to us. And I mean, I don't think I had one. We I had a, a course on um, 
psychotropic medication, which we don't as therapists, right, we don't too. prescribe. <laughs> so they still right. give us a rudimentary basic understanding of at least the antidepressants and the anti-anxieties and the antipsychotics. But no one talks to us about, I mean, I hope that's changing. I hope that out yeah. there, there are programs that are offering, you know, because I, I was asking a, a doctor friend of mine, like, could I go get some kind of um, certificate in endocrinology without becoming an MD? He was like, no, you have to be <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going through medical school. Just, right. you know, no way, you know, so hopefully somewhere along the line, there'll be somebody smart that puts together a program that, you know, that could be offered to uh, marriage and family therapists and social workers, clinical social workers and whatnot, because it is a huge piece of the puzzle. When I explain, when we get to that part, in the treatment plan, and I explain that whoever is the offender, you can see like an awakening dawning on their face, like, oh my God, like they didn't even think about that. And they're piecing together, you know, the fact that, oh, this is why I was feeling so good. Because by the time they're coming in for uh, therapy, the, the affair is more than likely over, which if it isn't, that's one of my requirements. If you're still seeing this person, it's a waste of time and money. I'm not the therapist for you. You need yeah. to break this off um, and then come back once you've done that. But most of the time it's already broken off. And a lot of those warm, fuzzy feelings connected to that person, you know, have already abated. And so to see the realization and the dawning on their face that, oh, I'm just addicted to myself. I'm just producing, you know, oxytocin. And, you know, so, and so what I, what I tell them is that can be produced with your partner because once upon a time, that's how you guys ended up getting together. Um, because, um, so that can, that can be produced. It's cold. Oh, no, no, it, it, it's, it's eight degrees in New York. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, and I think, you know, talking about that is important. Now, I, I know you mentioned that by the time the partner, they come to you and one of your requirements is that the affair is over. Well, when they are in treatment, um, what about if little by little you start finding out more about the betrayal? So it might start off like, well, we were just talking. That's what it was. You saw these text messages. And then it's like you end up finding more. And then the person ends up discovering something else. And then it was like really that 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 whole um, affair led up to physical intimacy or, or whatever. How do you process that with the couples in trying to do affair repair? Because if you think about it from a trauma perspective, from a trauma lens, right? The one who's betrayed feels this trauma of the betrayal. And so continuing to find out information kind of just brings you right back to those uh, betrayal feelings, that hurt feeling, that depressive state or that anxious state or whatever um, state that the, this person is in. So how do you um, help couples in that part? Well, before I, before I even start working with couples, period, like even if they're not coming in uh, for a fair repair, one of the uh, forms in my intake packet is uh, a no secrets agreement. Because I make it clear to them that I'm not your therapist and I'm not your therapist. I'm the therapist for the relationship. And so what that means is if a secret comes up during the course of treatment, like, oh, the affair was worse than it was, or, oh, there was an affair, then in order for me to uh, keep working with you guys, you would have to either confess it 
to one another or confess it in the very next session. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is because if I if I've ever had to tell if I've ever had to say, well, we can't, your partner has to divulge something to you and we can't continue, then they know it's a secret. It's, it, it doesn't have to be an affair. It could be, you know, I have some secret property mm-hmm. in New York somewhere or something like that. Right. But when we're doing the work and if it comes up that it was um, uh, worse than what the uh, what the person betrayed anticipated, that no secrets policy is in place for us to go all in and talk about it, you know, and one of the things I will do at that point is explore the reason for the deception. Like what, if you're, if you've been found out and you're saying, oh, we just kissed, what is the reason for hiding that it was more than that? Is it because you're afraid that your partner is going to leave you? Is it because you Mm -hmm. don't want to hurt your partner or is it something else? Is it because you, you wanted to keep it going and you didn't want your partner worrying about it because it was only a kiss, you know, uh, because a lot of times people will, if you marry someone that has a personality disorder, like narcissistic personality disorder or antisocial personality disorder, you know, though it's, it's hard for certain behaviors that um, bring up that chemistry. It's hard for them to let it go. It's not impossible, mm-hmm. but you have to, know what it is you're dealing with. If you're married to someone that has borderline personality disorder, there's a lot of black and white thinking. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of, you know, drama that comes along. So the 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 borderline, if if a borderline um uh has an affair, yeah, it's it's the chemistry and stuff like that too, but it's also the psychodrama that occurs around all of that. So like all of those pieces have to be looked at. All of those people pieces has to be have to be uh, examined. And, um, and then we come up with a plan of, you know, what do you guys want? Like that question might come up again. Mm-hmm. What do you guys want here? And, you know, where do you want to go from that? Um, cause I, 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 I think that, you know, couples work is very hard and you probably yeah. experience in, in your, uh, with, with, uh, what the work that you do as well, um, that's why I do individual because <laughs> couples work is awesome. A lot of us as therapists do not want to work with couples. And that's one of the reasons I started becoming like a couples expert, because mm-hmm. I've always liked working with couples. Like I've always yeah. enjoyed watching the repair of a family. Uh, that's very satisfying to me. And so many of my colleagues here in Santa Cruz, they will refer if they're working with an individual and they need couples therapy, they'll refer them, you know, to me or to one of the other therapists who enjoy working with couples. It's hard because you're, you're working with two people. And and again, your client is not the man or the woman, it's the relationship. Right. You know? Right. So how do we then get to the best part, which is the hard, the repair? How, how do we work this out? How do couples, you see this transformation, the betrayal happens They've talked about it. They've processed their own family um, dynamics, which was interesting. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I don't think people also see that. We, you know, you kind of maybe say throw shade at someone like, oh, you're you're acting just like your dad or you're perpetuating the family cycle, but not that you're really focusing in and how your family and your upbringing can impact that. But how do we get from all of those rooted things into the repair piece? Um, looking at aspects of the relationship 
that are off, like whether it's communication, conflict resolution, uh, do are they dating each other? What's their parenting styles? How are there in laws that are you know speaking into the marriage in a, a harmful way or an edifying way? The finances. So one of the and and so when I work with people, I look at each one of these categories because you're rebuilding. You're rebuilding the foundation of the marriage. Like once we've processed the affair and, you know, because the, the, the affair isn't, the affair is often not the problem. It's a symptom of a deeper problem. And so mm. we, we're not on the affair the entire time of the treatment plan. Like we do process that and elements of it might come in from time to time, but it's really the symptom. It's a symptom of, of deeper things, you know, going on, whether it's shattered dreams you know, dashed expectations, whether it's anger yeah. or whatever. But looking at each one of these components, um, I examine where they are and what their strengths are. And then we work on interventions to build up those different areas. So one of the interventions that I use um, and for communication is is an exercise called the three wishes. And it's from Prepare Enrich. Prepare Enrich is an assessment tool that um, you would get certified in, and it gives a report on what is a cup, what are the couple's strengths, and what are their growth areas. And so it'll show like if their communication is off or conflict resolution, and then there's interventions that we use. So one of the interventions for communication is something called the Three Wishes exercise. And so um, depending on where the couple is, if they are like super angry. We're probably not diving into that immediately, but normally we've done some work and we'll get into that. And so what I usually do is I have them stand up and face each other and put their foreheads together and take three deep breaths of one another. And that's a nervous system calming exercise that, you know, they're both breathing in uh, one another's scent and it's, it's, it calms the brain and gets them mm-hmm. ready to sit down and talk about this. So in the three wishes exercise, I have them think about three things that they want more of or less of in the relationship. And then I walk them through the process of effective communication, which means the message sent is the one that is received. Because oftentimes, you know, someone will bring a communication to the table. The other one will hear hear something in that communication, land on it, And then when it's their time to reply, or they interrupt with something and the person who brought the communication says, but that's not what I meant, or that's not what I said. And then they spend the rest of the argument arguing about what wasn't said and what wasn't meant. But what this tool does is it teaches them that communication hasn't occurred until the message sent is the message received. And Mm -hmm. there's two, there's three components of communication. There's assertiveness, which is your ability to state what you want in a, um, a, a direct and respectful manner. There's active listening, which means you're actively listening to your partner. You're not just landing on one thing that they're said and then start formulating a response or a rebuttal or an excuse in your head. And then there's reflective listening, where you reflect back what you just heard. And reflective listening is the piece that um, allows you to be on the same page, the the message sent to be the one received. And so I walk them through being assertive and active and, and um, reflective listening 
and just all of the different components to get to the part of, you know, how would it make you feel about our relationship if this wish came true? And what can I do to make this wish come true? But each of those are like separate uh, components. So there's a lot of different exercises like that. Like that's Mm -hmm. a communication one, but there are exercises for conflict, for dating, for finances, for family of origin history issues, which most of the time we kind of look at those or uh, deal with those in the beginning of treatment. I love it. Tracy, you have given us so much information, so much valuable information and also kind of restored some hope for folks who are probably struggling right now silently and trying to figure it out amongst themselves, either because there's a stigma with therapy or they just don't want to put their business out there uh, and, and it's more helpful. So you've provided us some amazing information. And guys, I really wanted to check out Tracy's um, Instagram. But before we transition, Tracy wrote an awesome book where I was able to, you know, read some of it. And I think this is going to be my February reading. Um, It's called Many Voices, One Truth. And this book is really Tracy talking about her spiritual faith and her discerning um, the many voices that come in and why I connected so much with the title and and, and starting to read um, the book is because we are in a world where it's sensory overload information overload, noise overload. So even when you're sitting in the morning and praying and trying to like try to channel in what your day is going to look like, you're not paying attention to the voices and and where God can really guide you into your day. And so tell us a little bit about your book and then where people can find it. Um, Yeah, my my book is about belief. Like the title is Many Voices, One Truth. And it's about choosing who you will believe. I grew up, um, you know, with just four television stations. There was cable, but we didn't have cable. We had ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. So if you yeah, were watching, basic channels. <laughs> yeah, it was probably one of these channels. But the thing about channels is you have the power to turn the channel. You have a, a, the power to change the channel or turn off. The, te- the all the broadcast what you know all together and so in my book i use that analogy and the channels that i find uh working with people because i'm a cognitive behavioral therapist mm-hmm. and and cognitive has to do with your cognitions yep. behavior has to do with the behaviors you choose and the choices you make as a result of how you're thinking um i noticed that some of the major the four major networks that people are listening to are self Satan, society, and savior. Come on now. And so in the book, I use a lot of my CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques combined with prayer techniques. Like this is a, it's a Christian based book, but anybody uh, can benefit from it because a lot of the tools, their prayer tools and meditative tools with the therapy, a therapist spin on it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I teach the, how I teach the reader how to identify the difference between the four voices, where they originate and why those voices are there. And then I give them tools on how to turn some of them down and turn up the voice of the savior, you know? Um, And the thing about self and society is they're not always bad, you know, like there could be a, your self voice could be either an affiliate of the savior voice or the Satan channel. 
and the society the same can be an affiliate of it because there's a lot of people out there on social media, like social media gets a bad rep, but there's a lot of people out there with really good information and, you know, disseminating wisdom and whatnot. So if you're listening to social media and it spurs you on to action, to uh, your goals and to making the world a better place, making your life or relationships a better place, then that's good. But if it spurs you on to self-condemnation and judgment and comparison, then that's not so good. Like turn it off. Right. right. And the same thing with self. If you are um, listening to a part of yourself and um, it's it's helping you to be edified, like if there's a voice in your head and you know it's coming from your history, but it's you can do this and I believe in you, then that's that's a good thing. But if it's coming from a part of your uh, brain where it's I'm never going to you know fill in the blank, whatever it is, that's not so good. Right. And what I say in the book is that even though self and society can be influenced by either of the other two voices. The other two voices cannot be influenced by each other. Like the mm. savior's voice will not be influenced because he's a savior. He's the right. creator of things, you know? So his voice is the still small voice. And so many of the um, exercises are very meditative in nature. They're still, they still your soul. They still your heart because I believe that God is speaking to us all the time but with all the clamor and noise of all of the other voices, we can't hear him. Yeah. And so he, he competes for our attention, but he's not going to, you know, <laughs> do it in a loud and various way like some of the other voices. I love it. I, so, yeah. Tracy, I cannot. No, oh, go ahead. It's yeah. available no, no, on no. Uh, Amazon. No, <laughs> no, I was just like, it's I, just to say, I, I love your book. I, I, Okay. I have to get through it, but I really think that you took a perspective from a therapist component and you also combined it with spirituality. And I think that's important. What people tend to forget is that a lot of like even CBT is in the Bible. You will find verses in the Bible being mindful of what you're thinking of and how you're thinking um, influences how you feel and how you feel influences how you behave and how you show up. So I really felt geeked out. And, and seeing you combine both of them um, in your book. So sorry, I cut you off, but please tell us where we can find your book. <laughs> it's on Amazon um, and it's on barnesandnoble.com, but it's, it's also on other things too, like Google reads. If you, if you were to Google my name, Tracy Terrace, T-R-A-C-Y-T-A-R-I-S, or put that into Amazon, my book, Many Voices, One Truth will come up. <clears throat> yeah. And I will link the book to the show notes, guys. Um, follow Tracy on Instagram. I'm following Tracy, guys. And your Instagram page is? At Tracy Terrace for um, my authorship. And then my other Instagram is at Healing the Mind and Spirit. But I would really yep. love it if, you're, if uh, your readers could uh, subscribe to my email list. I'll, I'll send that to you. I'll send yes. you my uh, the description link for my email list. That would be very helpful. I love it. Tracy, thank you so much for having this beautiful conversation with us. And I really hope to the listeners that something landed and that there is hope and repair. I also just want to put a disclaimer. If it is a true toxic relationship, then there might not be repair if you're really looking at just the affair piece. If there are other components that are unhealthy, um, I really do recommend that you take care of yourself and that's what comes first. Your safety comes first. 
So thank you so much, Tracy, for spending this time with us and sharing all of your knowledge. And guys, go get her book. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope this episode fed your soul. Please be sure to download new episodes. You can also head on over to rate, review, and subscribe. For more updates, find us at www.iambeauteousme.com or on Instagram at iambeauteousme. Don't forget to use the hashtag beauteousmepodcast for your feedback.